go. All right, Exodus chapter 14, verse 29. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. They believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Father, I just pray that as we spend a few minutes in your word today, that you will use your word uh, in our lives powerfully. I thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit. Uh, discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so we, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to take the word of God this morning and uh, may it enter into our lives, each and every one of us, different places, different circumstances, different life experience right now. But God, speak to us all by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So following Israel's miraculous deliverance from Egypt, they were led uh, by a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, and they arrived at a place called Mount Sinai after three months of travel. Uh, This is where it had all began for Moses, where he first encountered the presence and the power of God. And I think we've got a picture of it right there, Mount Mount Sinai. So um, here... Uh, at Mount Sinai, by the way, uh, there's a place called the Monastery of St. Catherine that was built at the foot of Mount Sinai in 530 A.D., 1,493 years ago. Uh, it's probably the oldest continuously inhabited Christian monastery in the world. And there it is. Anybody ever been there? Okay. All right. I haven't either. Um, a guy I met the other day had... And uh, he, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I doubt whether or not this is true. But he said when he went to the monastery, uh, the priest at the monastery actually took him and showed him the bush that they thought was the burning bush. Now I don't know <laughs> if that's true or not, but anyhow, uh, the the Orthodox priest um, thought it was anyhow. So there it is. There, there's a path called the Path of Moses that goes to the uh, summit of this 7,497 foot mountain. And uh, actually, this guy that I talked to the other day actually climbed the mountain and actually went to the summit. So there you go. Um, you can go there if you so desire. The Sinai Peninsula was under Israel's control after uh, the Six-Day War in 1967. How many of you remember that? Old enough to remember that? Yeah, uh, many of us. Where I was in Bible college, I had my eye on a particular young lady by the name of Colleen back then. And uh, I thought the world was coming to the end, you know, because all the armies were coming against Israel. And I thought, boy, we're never going to get married. This is never going to happen. Well, now we've been married 51 and a half years. So there you go. So, um, so you know, we, we don't always know God's timing, do we? So um, in 1979, the Sinai Peninsula was actually returned to Egypt. So... Uh, it's no longer under Israel's control. It's now, again, under Egypt's control. So if you're going to go there, you're going to have to go through Egypt to get to the Sinai Peninsula. Okay, so so besides the burning bush experience, which was 
unbelievable for Moses. Um, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments here. He also, the, 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 the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant were constructed uh, in the Sinai Peninsula. And in this sterile desert, God provided food that was called manna, which means, what is it? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, be interesting to know what the, what, 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 what it was made of. You know, how much protein, how much carbohydrates. Yeah, be interesting to know that because they ate it for 40 years. I mean, how would you like to eat something for 40 years? Yeah, that's, that's what they did. All right. So, but, but, but it, it sustained them and, and, and God not only provided food, but also water for 2.4 million people. Plus animals. You can imagine. I mean, you're talking about a lot of water. So the camp of Israel was three miles square. All right. So you can imagine how big that was. And, and they stayed in, at Sinai, not for a day or a week or a month, but for two years. So they're there, there for an extended period of time. And God provides for them faithfully during all that time. Numbers chapter 10 actually tells the story of when they began to leave. In verse 11, it says, Now in the second year, the second month, on the 20th of the month, so we have an exact time, the cloud was lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony. The sons of Israel set out on their journeys from the wilderness of Sinai. Then the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. So they moved out for the first time according to the commandment of the Lord through Moses. End of the chapter, verse 33, it says, Thus they set out from the mount of the Lord three days' journey with the ark of the covenant of the Lord journeying in front of them for the three days to seek out a resting place for them. The cloud of the Lord was over them by day when they set out from the camp. Then it came about when the ark set out that Moses said something. Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Yeah. All right? So, so... Picture this, all right? So, so each tribe is, is behind their own banner, all right? So there's 12, 12 tribes, 12 banners. All these 2.4 million are standing behind their banners. The Levites begin to raise the Ark of the Covenant. And the cloud of God begins to lift, all right? For the first time in two years. And you can imagine, it was electric, uh, as, as all these people, 2.4 million people are standing there. And, and as all of this is happening and Moses is standing in front of these 2.4 million, you, you, you can imagine how loud he had to say it. He said something that he would say every time the ark would, the, the ark of the covenant would move, the cloud would begin to lift. Every time he said the same thing, he said, arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Each time for 40 years. It almost seemed unnecessary for him to say that. God had spoken so clearly to him at the burning bush after Moses had been 40 years in the land of Midian, which, by the way, it was not the, the, the Sinai Peninsula, but was actually in Saudi Arabia. So, so Moses actually spent 40 years in Saudi Arabia. He was there at the Sinai Peninsula area because they were nomadic and they were, they moved from place to place to place to find grazing areas for their animals. And, and so that's why he was there. And, 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 and so it was, it, it was in this context that God revealed himself powerfully to him. God had faithfully fulfilled his promise 
to deliver Israel from Egypt after 430 years in Egypt. You can imagine. When it seemed almost hopeless for the children of Israel as, as they had left Egypt and they were at the shores of the Red Sea, all of a sudden they get the word, because I'm sure they had scouts, they got the word that, that, that Pharaoh's army was bearing down upon them, and they felt hopeless. Nowhere to go, nowhere to run, what could they do? God tells Moses, raise your arms over the water, and we know the rest of the story. So, so, so God had graciously provided for them over this whole two-year period as they were in the Sinai Peninsula after he had marvelously delivered them. And, and, but, but, but yet, in, st- in, in spite of all of that, Moses passionately cries all out for all to hear, as I said, over and over and over again, arise, O Lord, which was a military term that actually means stand up and prepare for battle. 40 years. Why? Because Moses was desperately aware of how much he needed the presence and the power of God every day. He reminded himself of of his dependence upon the presence of God. He reminded the whole nation of Israel of their dependence on the presence of God. We cannot do this on our own. Yes, God has led us in the past, but, but by the way, how, how many of, when you look back, you see the faithfulness of God. You see the grace of God. You see how God has intervec, um, has, has moved in your life powerfully. We can all see that very clearly. But, but in spite of all that God has done yesterday, in spite of all that God did for Moses yesterday, he recognized it's not enough. <laughs> I need his presence today. I need his power today. I need his intervention today. I need his wisdom today to be and to do and to go where you want me to go and do. Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me. Now that's the key. The word abide there means to remain, to continue, to be present intentionally. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Now, let me make make clear here. Jesus isn't saying you can't make coffee without me, or you can't watch the pet packers without me, or you can't go to work without me. I mean, people do that every day, or you can't mow your lawn without me. Obviously, people do all kinds of things without God, right? So he's not saying that. What is he saying? Well, you always have to read context. Okay, what he's saying here is you cannot be fruitful without me. You can live your life. You can raise your family. You can do stuff. But your life isn't going to count for eternity without God, without the presence of Christ. You know, it's not a matter of, well, we know what to do. We know how, no, 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 no. We need the presence of God every day. We need that awareness that I need to abide intentionally in Christ every day if I'm going to be fruitful, if my life is going to really count. If your life is going to count on your job, if your life is going to count with your family, if your life is going to count in your neighborhood, where God has called you to be. God has not called us all to do the same thing, but he's called us all to do something. Absolute 
utter dependence. I want you to feel that today. So that every morning when you wake up, you start your day with acknowledging, God, how much I need you today. Hey, Pastor Bob and I, we could, we could name names, not going to do that. We know guys, we know of guys who have had significant, powerful, wonderful, great ministries. Something that, that Bob and I have never seen in our own ministries. But some of them have gone along the wayside and, 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 and their lives have imploded. Why? Because they lost sight of the fact of how much they needed the presence of God every day. Absolute dependence. Do we really believe that? David said in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who build it? Do we really believe that? <laughs> Zechariah chapter 4, you know it. This is the word of the Lord. Not by might. Not by your smarts. Not by might. Not, not by power. Not because we know how to do church. Not because we know the Bible. No, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Without God's intervention, guess what? We're up against a brick wall. We are not going to accomplish much without him. We are on a spiritual warfare. But you're not going to be victorious. <laughs> I'm 74 years old. Um, I thought when I was young, by the time you get 74, you're not tempted anymore. I... I found out that's not true. <laughs> you got to lift your shield of faith every day. You got to guard your heart every day. Second Corinthians chapter 10 says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural. They're not, well, I'm strong enough. I'm smart enough. No, no. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal. That, that's not going to do it but they are mighty through God. Don't, don't ever, walk on your knees every day. Be, be aware that every day you need the presence of God. Every day you need God to go before you. You are not going to be victorious as a Christian without the presence of God with you every day. So we walk with this ultimate sense of dependence, desperately recognizing we need God, to arise. God, we need you to stand up. We need you to prepare for battle. We need you to go before us. We cannot do this on our own. So what do we do? We press in. <laughs> Intentionally. Every day. Arise, O Lord. You don't have to use those words, but the concept. Arise, O Lord. Every day, every day, every day. I start my day. I try to do that. Every day, I start my day by being aware of how much I need him. And so what do we do? We do Matthew 7. We ask and we seek 
and we knock. Uh, how many of you enjoyed grammar in school? Raise your hand if you enjoyed grammar in school. I see a very few hands. I'm sorry for you that raised your hand. Most of us did not enjoy grammar. But grammar is important, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and grammar is important biblically. And, and here, it's important here because ask, seek, and knock isn't, okay, Pastor Bob, ask once. No, no, it's, it's ask and keep asking. It's in the continuous present tense. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. What does Jesus say? Don't stop. Don't quit. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care if you never see it in your lifetime. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. Because we're dependent. (laughs) It's not about us. It's not that we can do it. Jesus tells a story. I, I... I love the little pictures we have in the scripture of the, of the humor of Jesus, you know, and Luke 11, he tells this story about a friend that comes at midnight and bangs on his friend's door and says, loan me three loaves of bread. I got people that just showed up. I don't have anything to feed them. And Jesus said, though he will not get up because he's a friend. <laughs> I love that. It just just shows the humor of Jesus. He's not going to get up because he's a friend. But because this guy was persistent, he wouldn't give up. He kept banging on the door. Finally, he said, "Ah, I got to get rid of this guy. I'm going to give him bread. You know, and, and, and what is his message? Ask. Keep asking. Be persistent. Don't give up. Keep pressing in. Peter Mueller was... Mighty man of God in Germany many, many years ago, had, a, had an orphanage, had a wonderful ministry, had a very, very close friend who was an atheist. All of Peter Mueller's life. And, and this friend never came to Christ until Peter Mueller's funeral. <laughs> so he never sought this side of heaven. You never know. Years ago during World War II, or at the end of World War II, Allied forces were, were in Germany. They were kind of clearing Germany out of, of, of the Nazi forces that were still in hiding. They went into a particular basement of a large building. Um, and when they went down in the, there, they, they found this, this statement on, on a wall. And, and it was obviously some Jews had been hiding in that building during World War II. And on the wall, this is what was written. I believe in the sun, even when it is not shining. I believe in love, even when I am alone. And I believe in God, even when he is silent. We need to embrace that. Years ago, I was pastoring in Iowa, and we were facing a particular crisis in our church. I'm, I'm not going to take the time to tell the story. Uh, had a happy ending to it. Grateful for that. But, but, but it was a point of crisis. I was young. You know, I, I can relate to David, who said, once I was young, now I'm old. So once I was young, believe it or not. And, and um, uh, this was probably 1982. 
something like that. And Colleen and I are there, and we're pastoring in Iowa with our three little kids. And um, uh, we had a situation I was praying over. And, and, but but I, I was kind of desperate. And, and so I, I, I just, one of my days just praying, I said, God, just show me how to pray. And, and God gave me something. It's super simple. How many like simple? I, I, I got to have simple. So, so super simple. So, so this, is what, this is what God showed me. And I want to share it with you. Very, very simple. I have everything to gain, nothing to lose, by maintaining a simple heart of faith. I have everything to lose and nothing to gain by fear, doubt, unbelief. That was it. So, here we go. I have everything to gain. Come on. I have everything to gain, nothing to lose, by maintaining a simple heart of faith. I have everything to lose and nothing to gain by fear, doubt, and unbelief. I've embraced that all my life ever since then. Uh, which, which means what? Go for broke. Just keep believing God. No matter how long, no, no matter what happens, no, no matter how many mysteries to life there is, Deuteronomy 29 says, the secret things belong to God, that which he chooses, he reveals. He doesn't reveal everything. You can stand on your head all day long. You can, you can fast for 40 days. God is not required to show you what he doesn't want to show you. Just this last week, A friend of mine, okay, going back over the last few years, he had one son who died in a motorcycle accident. He had another son who died in a snowmobile accident. He and his wife were in Alaska last week. They were involved in a head-on collision, and his wife instantly died. Are there simple answers to that? No. No. Be careful about, you know, just kind of back pocket simple answers to complex situations. We grieve with those who grieve, Paul says. We rejoice with those who rejoice, but we grieve with those who grieve. We walk it through with them. We don't say, no problem. No, it's a huge problem. So we press in. Even when God is silent, we press in. You and I desperately need him more than we know. (laughs) The responsibilities in your life are too enormous. The decisions in your life this week are too complex for you alone. You face a powerful enemy. Paul said, we wrestle. We are in hand-to-hand combat, not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. That is a reality. Jesus, when he closed his prayer in teaching us how to pray, what what did he close it with? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, O God, from the evil one. It is a reality. 
Don't think you're going to be able to stand on your own. But thank God, greater is he, 1 John 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So, so we walk in dependence. We walk in awareness of how much we need the presence and the power of God. So, Moses dies. That's another whole story, isn't it? <laughs> Moses dies. Years pass. David's now king in Israel. And he picks up on the passion of Moses. It, would, it had been passed down word of mouth. It had been passed down in writing. People knew the 40 years of Moses. Arise, O Lord. They all knew that. Isn't it interesting? Psalm chapter 3, verse 7. Arise, O Lord, and rescue me. Psalm chapter 9, verse 19. Arise, O Lord, and do not let mere mortals defy you. Psalm 68, verse 1. Arise, O Lord, and scatter your enemies. <laughs> he got it. <laughs> God, I need you to stand up. I can't do this alone. When, when, when was the first time David said that? We don't know. Okay, but my imagination says this. More than likely, the first time he said this was when he was a young shepherd facing a lion and a bear. And when he tells the story to King Saul, he says, I took, and I think it was the lion, I took the lion by his beard. <laughs> Can you imagine that? He said, I took the lion by his beard and I killed him. How in the world? Now, if I'd been David, I would have been saying, arise, O Lord. <laughs> I cannot do this on my own. I'm sure he said it as well when he was facing Goliath. As he was picking the five stones out of the brook. Oh God, you got to stand up. Arise, O oh Lord. By the way, just as a side issue, please be aware that David didn't just stand with his hands in the pocket in his pockets and say, God, you do it. There was something that David needed to do. He needed to pick up the five stones. He needed to use a slingshot. Okay, so, so, so there's something you need to do to be a part of God's miracle about what God is going to do. It's not a matter of you just standing along the side and saying, okay, God, take over. We cooperate with God. We are laborers with God. It's an amazing reality. Goliaths dominate days and keep us awake at night. We, we all face Goliaths. I'm, I'm almost done. And everybody said amen to that, right? Okay. So, so, but, but we all face Goliaths. We all do. We, we all have Goliaths. We all have things that taunt us, that are bigger than us, that are more powerful than us. Okay? All of, all of us, me included. It's none of your business, but we all, we all, we all face our Goliaths. For some of us, it's depression. Some, some people, I have, I have relatives who deal with depression as, as a heavy cloud. It's a horrible, horrible thing. That's a Goliath. For some, it's the scars of an abused childhood. Some people, 30, 40, 50, 60 years 
later are still impacted by what happened when they were kids. For some, it's the mistakes of yesterday that I can't change. If I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't do what I did. You, you can't change that. It's a Goliath. For some, it's a propensity towards a particular form of addiction. It may be whatever, pornography. It may be alcohol. Maybe whatever. It can be anything. We all have a propensity. We all have a bent towards something. We guard our hearts. It may be a condition that you've prayed for to be healed in your body, in somebody else's body, your, your spouse's body, your child's body, your grandchild's body. It may be a child that you've tried to reach but won't even talk to you anymore. And maybe, as I've told you that story, it may be unanswered questions of, of God, why did you allow this to happen? These are all Goliaths. What do we do with our Goliaths? We say, arise, O Lord. And I believe that for Ted and for his family right now, God is arising. God is showing himself strong to them in the midst of their horrible grief and loss, Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In your darkest hour, I will be there. In fact, he said, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will not fear evil. Why? Because I will be with you. Thank God. So let me, let me close. So David dies. His son Solomon becomes king, which is another whole story. I wouldn't have picked Solomon. I would have said, let's forget that story. You know, Solomon was the second son of, of David and Bathsheba. Um, it's not a very pretty story. It, but it, it reveals something, the amazing, unbelievable mercy of God. The unbelievable grace of God. The unbelievable forgiveness of God. How many are grateful for the forgiveness of God? Ah, it's amazing. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. So, uh, David can't build the temple because because there's too much blood on his hands. So so he provides a lot of the stuff for it. Uh, The temple's built. Now it's the it's the point of the dedication of the temple. In Second Chronicles chapter 5, it says, verse 1, thus all the work that Solomon performed for the house of the Lord was finished. So, so David begins to pray a very long prayer. And, and you know, how many, how many have ever been, been at a meal and you ask somebody to pray over the meal and they go on and on and on and on and the food's getting cold? Huh? Well, that's the kind of prayer Solomon prayer. This is a long prayer. It goes on and on and on all the way through chapter 6. And finally, at the end of chapter 6, this is how he finishes his prayer. Now, oh my God, I pray, let your eyes be open, your ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. Now, therefore... <laughs> Arise, oh Lord God. Where did he get that? <laughs> Arise, oh Lord God, to your resting place. You and the ark of your might. Let your priests, oh Lord God, be clothed with salvation. Let, 
let your godly ones rejoice in what is good. Oh, Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed. Remember your loving kindness to your servant David. Now, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. What does that tell us? That tells us that God responds when people acknowledge they need him. And as you acknowledge, God, I need you to arise. God, I need you to stand up. God, I need you to move on my behalf. God says, I hear that. And I love that. So I want to tell you this morning, don't stop. Don't quit. Some of you prayed a long time for stuff. You're tempted to stop saying, well, nothing's ever going to happen. Don't. You keep pressing in. Until the day you die, you keep pressing in. Arise, O Lord. Father, this morning, we acknowledge how much we need you. We need your presence. We need your power. We need your intervention. We need your wisdom. We need all of it. We can't do it on our own, and we acknowledge that freely and openly and humbly this morning. I pray for people within the sound of my voice here this morning who are facing particular Goliaths in their life. A lot more than even what I mentioned. Our hope is in you. Our confidence is not in what we can do, but in what you can do. And we'll cooperate with you, Lord. We'll do our part. We'll do whatever you've called us to do. But this morning we say, oh God, we are again saying to you, arise, oh Lord. Arise, oh Lord. If you're here this morning and and you have a, a particular Goliath that in your life you're saying, God, I need you to arise in this particular area in my life, our family's life, whatever it may be. I'm, I'm going to encourage you just to take a step of faith this morning, not to come forward, but you just stand. If you're here and you have a Goliath and you're saying, God, I'm going to cooperate with you and I'm going to believe for you to arise over my situation. Stand this morning. I just want to pray for you, right where you stand. Arise, O Lord, over our darkness, over the things that we cannot control, over the issues that are bigger than us, (laughs) over the doors that seem to be absolutely closed. (laughs) God, we come before you this morning And we acknowledge how much we need you. (laughs) And we know it makes you proud when your people acknowledge their dependence upon your grace, upon your power, upon your intervention. And we pray today, arise, O Lord, on behalf of your people. 
We pray you would show your arms strong. We pray that you would intervene powerfully. And we acknowledge today, oh God, how much we need you and how dependent we are upon you and that we will not quit, we will not stop, but we will continue to press in. We will continue to ask. We will continue to seek. We will continue to knock. We will continue to say, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Because we remember what Peter said, To whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. 